High School Slumber Party is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage Club related, head on over to cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. Welcome, kids from Reseda and all over the valley. Karate Masters, Cobra Kai, oh, and an extra special shout out to those of you dressed like a shower out there. This is High School Slumber Party, the podcast where me and some friends look back at our teenage years through the lens of some iconic high school-centric films. I'm Brian Rodriguez, and the party's at my place this evening, but first... We have some homework to chat about, as school is still in session. This was your assignment, and I would like to see the results. Great feedback on our episode last week on Surf Ninjas. Kind of an obscure film to some, I guess not to others. As I've said, if you're of a certain generation, you probably rented this film. If not, it might be the most absurd thing you've ever heard of, but great feedback on social media. Love having Chris Carroll as a guest. Always a blast with him. Thank you, Chris, and thank you guys for doing your homework and listening to our episode on Surf Ninjas. Let's just say I hope you're not sick of martial arts movies. (laughs) But of course, your other homework was to do the easiest thing you can do. I asked you last week, but if you didn't do it, I'll ask you again this week. Whatever... Whatever place you're listening to us right now, whether it be Google Play, whether it be Spotify, whether it be Stitcher, whether it be Apple Podcasts, I want you to check something. I want you to look on your phone or whatever you're listening to this on, a tablet, uh, I don't know what else you could listen to it on, but most likely your phone, and I want you to see if you are currently subscribed to High School Slumber Party. If you're listening, you might as well subscribe. It doesn't hurt you at all. It doesn't take up any space, really. At least I don't think. I don't really know. But uh, hit that subscribe button. And while you're there, why don't you give us a little five-star rating? And, you know, maybe I'm asking too much, but a nice little review would help. Everything helps the algorithm and helps get the message and word of High School Slumber Party out there. But maybe the best way you can help High School Slumber Party and help me produce these podcasts for you, which I love doing so much, is by telling a friend about all the great and wonderful things happening on High School Slumber Party. Tell a friend. Again, it's the best way. So I was mentioning, too, they were getting some great feedback on social media. And, you know, I love it. I love it. Class participation is a huge part of your grade. And remember, again, you could follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And I hope you guys have some feedback on today's movie, because it is an awesome one. The biggest part of your homework, of course, was to watch The Karate Kid. And I don't know if you're into this one, but spoiler alert, I am. And guess what? So is my guest, the returning Michael Manzi. Of course, if you listen to the show at all, you've heard Michael Manzi. And 
if you listen to the Cage Club Podcast Network on Fridays. That's cageclub.me. That's cageclub.me. He's here, too, because Fridays are for fun. He's the co-host of Cruise Club. He's the co-host of the Tom Hanks Podcast, Hanks for the Memories, and his own solo project, Third Time's a Charm, which I've been on a billion times, and I love it. You should, too. Check that out on cageclub.me. But I know the main reason you're here. Wax on, wax off, guys. Whoa, 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 guys. I know that's the bell, but come on. We have a deal, right? We make a sacred pact. I promise teach you high school films. You promise learn. I say you do. No questions. Oh, oh, but I can't wait for this one. I'm just as excited as you. So pack your favorite jammies. Tell your mother's sleeping over Brian's. Because we're about to get our party on. I leave you with... Well, what else could I leave you with? Something I feel about all you slumberers. And I genuinely mean this. I leave you with a song off the Karate Kid soundtrack. The most famous song. Joe Esposito's You're the Best. Class dismissed. Try to be best because you're only a man and a man's got to learn to take it. Try to believe though the going gets rough that you got to hang tough to make it. History repeats itself. Try and you succeed. Never doubt that you're the one and you can have your dream. You're the best around. Nothing's going I know you've been on somewhat recently with Shawnee, but I feel like it's been, I don't know, I feel like it's been a little while since it's just been you and me, which I felt like that was the norm for a while. Maybe on third times, I don't know, but I felt like we were recording just you and me a lot for a while, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I have the same feeling. It is. It feels like it's been a while. I feel like it's been a while since I just recorded in general now that it's the new year and everything. I think this is one of the first, yeah. but uh, here we are together again. A nice little high school reunion, right? Oh, yeah. Nice way to work it in. So, of course, today we're doing an awesome film. I don't know. I hope you agree, but I think this film's awesome. I'm just saying it right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Before any of that, Mike, again, you've been on the show a lot. Why don't you introduce yourself oh, to the goodness. High School Slumber Party audience? Oh, man. Yeah, so many times now. <laughs> <laughs> um, Mike Manzi, um, RHS, class of 97, Go Maroons. Go Maroons, as yeah. always. I f- again, I feel like I've heard that the most on this show. Uh, That's yeah, cool. because I think I've made a deal out of it at one point where trying to figure out what that actually meant and settled on the color mascots of color probably the coolest one right yeah the best out of all of the uh definitions probably when we went through them that one episode but (laughs) (laughs) but yeah no bullshit today because we're you know no we're getting ready for our the tri-valley karate tournament right tri-valley all valley Valley, sir all valley karate (laughs) tournament i don't know why i say tri-valley it sounds cool but all valley karate tournament because ooh. This is a big one. I'm so excited yeah. to talk to the Karate Kid. Oh, karate Kid, ni- 1984. 
Tell me your history with this film. I'm sure this is not the first time you've seen it. No, no, absolutely. And not my first trip to the Valley through movies either. I mean, you know, the Valley Girl with uh, Nicolas Cage, of course. And, you know, always something about the tuna in the Valley and one of those Zeph movies. <laughs> but uh, no, so like, okay, 1984, man, I was there in theaters getting my little mind blown by this movie. And Really? You saw this in theaters? I saw this. In theater, in the movie theater, I still frequent today, right down the street. Uh, yep, I was there. I saw one and two in theaters, and we'll get to third times a charm how, someday. But yeah, I was there. How old are you? I guess. Oh, no, sorry. How old am no, I now? That. I'm fifth. I'm 150. <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. But no, I know. How old, no. I guess were you when you saw that film? <laughs> well, like four or five. Couldn't have been that old. No, like okay, like okay. five probably or something. And um, like. Yeah, man, this is this is a big movie for me. Big prepubescent film like this and Back to the Future. Uh, it was right around that Ghostbusters. You know, I saw all those in theater. Those are like the first few movies in theaters I can like remember seeing in theaters. Like I was told that was brought to E.T., but I really don't have any memory of that. So, yeah, this movie's been with me like my entire life. Um, I played the video game. I never watched the cartoon, but uh, maybe we'll talk about Cobra Kai, the TV show someday. But I'm I'm a big fan. But it all has to start with this film, OG Karate Kid. It's amazing that this has spawned, uh, okay, I guess four in this universe, mm-hmm. one in another universe, mm-hmm. a cartoon, which I didn't learn about till my research, and now a TV show. And I don't think like people say the Karate Kid franchise, you know? I don't think they talk like that. Right. No, me neither. I think they tried to reboot it with Jaden... Jaden Smith and Jackie Chan, but what was crazy about that is he went to China and learned Kung Fu, and they still called it the Karate Kid, so it was just like a big sort of like, huh? Uh, It's not that bad. That movie's actually pretty good. Um, Oh, really? Yeah, like it's pretty good. I don't know why they just didn't make it in the same universe, and I don't know. I mean, whatever. It is what it is, but yeah, they should say the the sort of the franchise, because that show... Man, I've gotten into discussions about that show with people, and it's like way – we're all like, that is way better than any of us ever thought that it, it would or should be. But, uh, <laughs> but like this thing's got legs for sure. Now, I think we'll talk more about sequels and such maybe on a podcast I'm familiar with that deals more with sequels. Possibly. Third Time's a Charm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> but – Again, OG Karate Kid here. I'd seen this movie, of course. My history with this film, I don't even know the first time I saw it, right? But I hadn't seen it in a while. And seeing it the other day for this podcast was so refreshing. <laughs> I, I, I was watching them like, this is like a perfect film for me. Like, I just, I enjoyed it so much. I know maybe some people think it might be cheesy or, you know, contrived and we'll get into it, but. I had such a blast watching this film. First time I remember hearing about Karate Kid was actually not seeing it. This is weird, but you're an uncle, so maybe you'll understand this. But, like, my uncle growing up used to, like, kind of take care of us and, like, bring us to movies. I saw a lot of movies for the first time with my uncle. And before I even saw this, he kind of just explained this movie to me, if that makes sense. Okay. Almost like story time. All right. And like, like once I upon a time, so... there was this kid from Jersey. <laughs> kind of like I, the big things he explained to me that I always took with me was the whole just what you know has kind of entered the lexicon today, like Miyagiing, in terms of teaching a lesson 
that the student doesn't realize is a lesson till the end. Ah, uh, yes. Things not what seem, of course. <laughs> yeah. He like he told me about those scenes. Like he was painting the house the whole time. He had no idea, you know. And the other connection I have to this film, we'll get into later, but it's I've always been a big Pat Morita fan. Let's put it that way. Oh yeah, yeah. Honeymoon in Vegas. Him and Cage. Some great, great scenes together. Oh yeah. <laughs> He's the taxi driver in Hawaii. It's great. I actually was on your rewatch of Honeymoon in Vegas on Cage Club. I love that movie. So good. So if you guys are not familiar with The Karate Kid, shame on you. <laughs> but every week I read the back of the VHS, and Mike, I'm going to warn you, I found the uh, picture of the back of the VHS original release. Oh my God, this is a long one. Oh no! So bear... <laughs> it's not bad, but bear with me. It's okay. like adds it adds more layers than I even thought of. But okay, here goes. <clears throat> a fatherless teenager faces his moment of truth in The Karate Kid. Daniel arrives in Los Angeles and faces the difficult task of making new friends. However, he becomes the object of bullying by the Cobras. A menacing gang nope, of karate <laughs> It's Cobra Kai. The Cobras. Yeah, for some reason in this it says the Cobras. I don't think America was ready at the time for the word Kai. And that opening like... line was just... Okay, anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I know. <laughs> so, uh, the Cobras. A menacing gang of karate students when he strikes up a relationship with Allie, the Cobras leader's ex-girlfriend. <laughs> Eager to fight back and impress his new girlfriend... But afraid to confront the dangerous gang, Daniel asks a handyman, Miyagi, who has <laughs> who he learn <laughs> who he learns is a master of the martial arts to teach him karate. Miyagi teaches Daniel that karate is mastery over self, mind, and body, and that fighting is always the last answer to a problem. <clears throat> okay. Under Miyagi's guidance, Daniel develops not only physical skills, but also the faith and self-confidence to compete against tremendous odds as he encounters the fight of his life in the exciting finale. This entertaining film <laughs> is one the whole family will enjoy. So yeah, okay. long one. All right, not bad. <laughs> not, not as long as I was expecting. Not much about his mom in there. No, but I, I feel like this is such an easy, simple film. And I don't oh, mean yeah. that in a bad way. No. I mean that in a good way. Yeah. That you don't even need all of that. No. You know? I mean, that's part, I think, of why it always works. I mean, this is nothing new. Like, the Karate Kid has been done a million times. This is not like any kung fu movie or, like, any martial – I mean, not just martial arts movies, but, like, there's westerns that are like this, you know, where, like, someone is taken in and healed and, you know – they, they go back out and they face their fears and all that. I mean, this is like the hero's journey, right? This is Joseph Campbellism and all that kind of great stuff. So there's a reason it works. It's like following a, a formula, right? But applying it and using sort of different pieces than we're used to. And yeah, this just hit really well. Like there's so much going on here under the surface, you know, like sort of like the movie teaches you to look under the surface of things. Absolutely. And I think what makes it work so well is all the things you said. But for me, this is a high school film, and it deals with a lot of these oh, yeah. high school elements as well, like fitting in and bullying and the cute girl in school mixed in with some old school, as you said, like Western and just traditional storytelling that like yeah. the only criticism I think you can give of this film is that like for some people, maybe it's too formulaic. 
I don't care. No, well, I loved it. I think you nailed it. I think it's it's the the blend. Like it's what I was saying, but then what you're saying about it, like taking place in high school, right? Instead of you know, you know, Hong Kong or China or something. You know what I'm saying? Like then, like take all those elements and drop it in modern day high school, and that was just like such a great thought to do. And like all the same archetypes are there. You know, you got like the leader bully and his little cronies that are trying to run the place, and you you know you got the the like the girl trying to like reform like the quote unquote hero who like needs to see that he can be a hero and you have the old master helping him along I mean it's yeah I mean, I love it um, and they sort of like just keep doing this you know for the most part <laughs> like this is kind of it for like four or five movies and but it's fine it it works because they keep like changing locations and bringing in new actors and and sort of switching it up a little bit but. Yeah, the high schoolism here is great. I mean, I can remember watching this as a very little kid, right? And being like, oh my God, high school seems like so scary. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> like as a five oh, yeah. or six year old, I was like, Cruel Summer's playing and you see all these bullies and like, like I do not want to go to there. Oh yeah, no, I mean, this is a movie that gives me all the feels as silly as it is. And I feel like you and I grew up in a generation that the Karate Kid was so absorbed into our culture that anyone could say wax on, wax off. Yeah. Or anyone could do the crane pose, you know, and you would know what they're referencing. I don't know if kids today necessarily grow up with this film or they understand the references, but, I mean, do you, do you agree with me? Like, growing up, oh. like, all these things in this movie, people just, like, knew, like, through osmosis, like Star Wars or something. Yeah, no, totally, like, with the with the Cobra Kai and um, what was the other one? Like, there's always a line at the end of the tournament where you hear a guy say, like, get him a body bag, and he starts laughing. Like, I remember that being a huge sort of reference throughout my Sweep entire Sweep the life. leg. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, all that stuff, like... Yeah, wax on, it's, wax off for sure, and definitely. It's just crazy how, again, like how culturally important this film is. And it, you know what? And maybe we'll talk about this later, maybe not, but it's never talked about as one of the great high school films because I think people see it more as like maybe a martial arts movie, but it is a high school film. And, you know, right off the bat, I'm going to tell you, it is to me a awesome, great high school film. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they spend... I think more time in high school in this movie than any other high school movie I've been on to talk with you about so far, maybe. <laughs> I mean, maybe not Better Off Dead, but what, that was like the first episode? <laughs> but yeah, I definitely agree. It captures the feel so well. Like, I love how, like, even Allie has her little click and everything and all the stuff um, that takes place, like, in, on the soccer field. And it's awesome. Oh, my God. Like, I, I, I'm telling you, I'm so pumped. So pumped to do this episode. <laughs> We're in it. Let's get like into the like nitty gritty, the minutia. Let's get all like the mm-hmm. things I researched online. Yes, all out of the way, so we can just talk about how fun this is. Okay. So this story has two origins. Besides, for the fact of what we said, like the the origins of this story could be traced to even the Bible, you know. <laughs> <laughs> like, but but this specific screenplay has two origins. Um, the screenwriter, his name is Robert Mark Kamen, and he's still successful today, by the way. Karate Kid was one of his first projects, but he created the entire Taken series. Oh, wow. So, like, this is still someone who's working today. Yeah, they squeezed um, three Takens out of that, right? <laughs> yeah. In addition to the Taken series, he also created the Transporter series. Oh, my God. 
So wow. this is a man of series. Does it Jason <laughs> Jason Statham too? Wow, cool. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> that got like a reboot. Oh wow! All right. So yeah, like this guy knows how to make like the seed for something that creates something else. You know, totally. But Karate Kid is partially based on his own life experiences. So he got beat up as a kid visiting the World's Fair in Queens, <laughs> and he wanted to defend himself after that. So he went to a martial arts studio. And he was not satisfied. Let's just say he was not a satisfied customer at all. Okay. Because this martial arts studio he went to preached like fighting people, and it was very much like what like the Cobra Kai in this film is in terms of like no mercy. And like he felt that I was reading an interview, he felt that like he didn't go to this studio for that. He he went to defend himself. So he sought someone else out. And the person he found did not speak any English, but he learned so much from them. And they actually were taught by one of the founders of karate, like who also had the last name Miyagi, by the way. Yes, I read about Miyagi on well, online, but maybe we'll get into yeah. that. But. So like, he was like, I want to write a story about this. Funny enough, while he was thinking that, um, his agent told him that the producer, Jerry Weintraub, mm-hmm. who I think is still like around today or at least he's very successful right Mm -hmm. he was involved with like the oceans movies most recently i believe or something gotcha because like i know i've seen his name he at the same time optioned a real life story about a kid uh who didn't have a father who was being bullied is a younger kid even younger younger than daniel's character who earned a black belt to defend himself from bullies so he's like oh perfect so he picked up this story he combined the two things and he wrote the karate kid excellent and, and yeah and of course our director here mike you, you oh, probably right am i not mistaken no, no you're correct i think you and i have seen two of his films in the theater and they were at the least, same night at least because he directed the first rocky and he directed rocky five unfortunately mm-hmm. oh. the one that drove <laughs> me over the edge i think oh no six <laughs> i'm sorry it was six it was a combo yeah six did but john advidson who won the best director oscar for rocky yes he was brought in to do this film and it makes so much sense yeah because it's almost like rocky light in a lot of ways right like it's, it's like kids kid rocky, rocky you know? kids yeah exactly it's, it's funny because like karate is more violent than than boxing and yet like it's more accepted for children i feel like than boxing i don't know it's weird bill conti didn't do the music for this too right like it was I might have been watching another movie this week where he did the music, but that would have been a double Rocky. Oh, he did. You're right. Oh, I he did. Okay. Bill yeah. Conti did do the score for the double Rocky. Mm, that's awesome. See, I think that's the magic, right? Like the music adds the extra touch to the director. Like they complement each other so damn well. Music and like score and soundtrack both are amazing in this film. Like, you know, very of the time, but still like amazing. And, I read some places that Sylvester Stallone, maybe tongue-in-cheek, maybe not, has been critical of this franchise, saying it copied Rocky. Well, screw you, Sylvester Stallone. Like, it doesn't well, matter. Like, dude, this is a universal story. Yeah, Rocky's doing just fine. It made out with more movies, so just relax over there. <laughs> Unc- <laughs> Uncle Rock. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Rock, yeah. <laughs> All right, cast and crew, quickly. We mentioned the director. Um, I mean, Ralph Macchio, hello. Like, this is the I mean, movie dude. that he's known for. Do you know how old he is now? It blew my mind how old he was now. How old is he now? If I'm not mistaken, the man the man is a, is a very good-looking 58. Wow. Yeah, and, you know, I know we'll get to it later, but, like, 
Karate Kid, I just have to mention real quickly, Karate Kid Part 3 is supposed to take place like a week later, but it was filmed like 10 years later. So like, he's like 27 in that, playing an 18-year-old. We'll get there one day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think again, you know, we'll talk more about that on Third Time's a Charm, your podcast, and we could tease that later. But, you know, just uh, put a little bow on it. The entire, like, uh, Daniel trilogy mm-hmm. is what, like... A month. Uh, a no, couple, oh, wait, like, a weeks couple months. In total? Well, okay. A couple so, months? So what happens is, like, this movie ends, and then the next movie, Karate Kid Part 2, it starts a few months later, right? Because the All-Valley Tournament's in November or December. So, like, Karate Kid 2 starts that next summer and takes place a couple of weeks over the summer. Oh, you're right, you're right. And then Karate because Kid 3 takes place the year after that. We'll get into this a little later, because I do want to talk about the first scene of Karate Kid 2. Okay. But you're right, I forgot after the first scene, it does skip to the summer. But it's still, like, you know, it's like maybe a, a, a year and a, a very half. quick period. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, Ralph Macchio plays Daniel LaRusso. Originally, the character's named Daniel Weber, but as soon as they hired him, they're like, yeah, we're making this guy Italian. So, that's fine. Everyone in Hollywood was up for this role. Here's the list. Sean Penn, Robert Downey Jr., Charlie Sheen, who I read most places was like second place to get it, um, which I can't picture, but whatever. Emilio Estevez, Nicolas Cage, your boy. Oh, man. I feel like everyone so far like could kick Johnny's ass. They're like too tough <laughs> well, or whatever. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, the, this next guy definitely is another person that you know well. Tom Cruise was also in line. Oh, no. like He could play Johnny, but not Daniel. <laughs> and the last two, I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Eric Stoltz. Okay. And, and Anthony Edwards, like mm. leader of ER. Yeah, he had probably just done like Revenge of the Nerds around then, maybe, or oh, did that instead, call, yeah. sort of like the same vibes there, where like the underdogs. <laughs> but that's way, way more raunchy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And Ralph Macchio got this off a film that we've covered on this podcast, The Outsiders. Outsiders. They loved what he did in that. Even though like half this people I just named are also in The Outsiders, they loved what Ralph Macchio did in that film. And uh, they casted him. And I can't picture anyone else being Daniel, to be honest with you. No, he brings like a certain, there's a certain combination I can't quite put my finger on that it's like innocence, but arrogance, like in some way, not arrogance, but confidence. He's got like this confidence, right? But he also knows that he's like not the not strong, but like also stands up for himself. Like he feels very real in that way. Yeah, absolutely. It's something that i don't know it's just like he's daniel in my mind and there's yeah. no taking me out of it just the fact that some of these other guys on this list i think i might have hated them more and they could have like played it the same way you know what i'm saying yeah because uh, Dan- i'm sympathetic yeah because i feel like what makes daniel sympathetic is the fact that he gets his ass kicked like he's just a normal kid there's nothing really spectacular about him to like necessarily gravitate towards like he has that one friend early on and they just stop hanging out because he gets his ass kicked all the time right but like that guy freddie that invites him to the beach party but like look how he met freddie like kicked the door open into his face and stuff like i don't know like daniel's all right and everything but i feel like they're not going out of their way to make him you know extra likable they just want to make him normal and he does questionable things later with his relationship and and you know lies a lot and all kinds of things and so i like that about it yeah he's more sort of evened out yeah exactly he's even and he feels real and frankly he doesn't seem cool you know Mm -hmm. he's not so nerdy that it's like crazy he just seems like a real 
guy I would know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, like I wouldn't really, there's nothing to really feel bad for until like this guy just keeps pummeling him like day after day. Then you're like, all right, like you get the sympathy vote for sure. <laughs> now, of course, uh, maybe the guy who steals the show, arguably, especially at the time, Noriyuki, but more known as Pat Morita, as Mr. Miyagi. Um, he was actually nominated for an Oscar for this performance. So, I mean, I don't yeah. know your feelings on him, but I, I'm a big Pat Morita oh, guy. Huge fan. I mean, I uh, found out later he was on Happy Days. Like, he was the Arnold that yeah. ran Arnold's, like, but he was in the back most of the time. And, you know, as a kid, totally fooled me. Like, thought he was a really old guy that really talked like that and found out later in life that no, like he, he, he was a stand-up comedian, uh, like a big one, oh, like yeah. used to perform up in the Catskills, like was part of the tail end, I guess, of what they would call like the Borscht Belt. Uh, I don't know. I used to hear Mel Brooks talk about that a lot and stuff, but uh, <laughs> yeah, and you know, I think his performance is terrific. I think it's really well-tempered and like mannered and it's, I can understand it was nominated for the Academy Award. I can only imagine, you know, why he didn't get it there must have been some really strong performances that year yeah i mean it's just like to be nominated in a film like this is super impressive you know and but i get it like he brought such an so he made such an iconic character out of that role and you brought up a lot of good points like pat Morita, a comedian in the classic day of comedians um frankly i don't know if his stuff translates to today a lot of it is like race-based and we don't really do like comedy like that anymore <laughs> but i'm, I'm not going to criticize it at all like he was one of the only like known asian americans in the comedy scene you know like you got to do what you got to do oh yeah a guy i really like and look up to and like a lot of latin people say is like the f- like father of Latin comedy is Freddie Prince. Oh, and, okay. And Freddie Prince is hilarious, but Freddie Prince also is very similar. Like where Pat Morita is like 90% of his jokes is the fact that he's Asian, you know? Yeah. 90% of Freddie Prince's jokes are the fact that he was like Puerto Rican, you know? Yeah. And, and again, that maybe that doesn't fly too much today, but at the time that's just like kind of what you had to do. And again, his nickname in, in the day, and I'm using air quotes because I think this is technically a racial slur, the hip nip. Oh yeah. And yeah. Yeah. As you said, like he does not talk like Mr. Miyagi. Most people today, day still think that pat marita lived his whole life talking like mr miyagi <laughs> no and nor was he actually that old either it took till like karate kid four with hillary swank that he showed up and he actually had gray hair for the first time i think like they didn't need to <laughs> do prosthetic or anything like that but but no that's a really interesting point that you made about like that sort of they had to sort of rely on the more self-deprecating humor at the time because of that's the only way they'd sort of be accepted i mean that's sort of like sammy davis jr right as, as well i feel like oh, absolutely that's how he got into the rat pack and everything thing was like yeah you guys can just like make fun of me and like i'll be around all the time and i'll join in and yeah it's unfortunate but like he is no less than a trailblazer either i mean he came out in the end like this right like an academy award nominated actor with a great legacy so absolutely you don't have like such great asian-centered films today like again like crazy rich asians or all the good stuff aquafina's doing without pat Morita. you know yeah. i think that's you know a completely fair statement and he was cast because he had humor and seriousness the fact that he could bring both to the role 
he actually was in like a really down period of his life and he has talked about like how this role saved him because after happy days like he wasn't doing stand-up anymore no one was going to really see him it was kind of out of that era so this really brought him back and it always made me happy um you know on a personal note like when i was a kid i never met him but my mom met pat marita so it was always like really cool that's how i always became like attached to him (laughs) um my mother was a travel agent in the city in new york city and her travel agency held the accounts for Colgate. And Colgate's spokesman at the time was Pat Morita. Oh. So, like, I guess they brought him down there. Or they bought, like, the travel agency to, like, a luncheon. And they all got to meet him and, like, shake his hand and talk to him. I'm like, oh, so cool, you know. And he got this big Colgate uh, promotion out of Karate Kid. Because I went on YouTube. That's the great thing about YouTube. You could find, like, anything from the past, right? Especially these commercials. And I went and looked up these Colgate commercials. And he played a character called the Wisdom Tooth, and he essentially was Mr. Oh, Miyagi wow. giving brushing advice. Oh, you know? give me a minute. I got to go check those out real quick. Fighting Tartar with regular toothpaste is like trying to dig a hole to China with a teaspoon. That's why Wisdom Tooth says, use Colgate Tartar Control. Colgate's proven 44% better than a regular toothpaste at fighting Tartar buildup. Forty-four percent. So, to help beat Tartar, get Colgate. To go to China, take a jet. Colgate Tartar Control, the wise choice. (laughs) And I'm back. Wow, that was something else, folks. (laughs) Yeah, I think this is the character that today's people most know him for. Oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, what else can you name? Any? uh, The only other movie I could really name was what I named earlier. It was the you know, cab driver in Honeymoon in Vegas. Like, he never, you know, not not that it was his fault or anything, but yeah, this was what he was known for. I mean, in the same way that, like, look, I mean, like, look at Ralph Macchio. Like, what else did he really go on to do? He's known for being Daniel, you know what I'm saying? Like, he had a couple appearances on Entourage or something. Like, really? Like, <laughs> but it's always as Ralph Macchio. Yeah, like, know? My Cousin Vinny was, the, was like, one other oh, movie yeah, I could think of, right? And that. it's not even a him movie. It's more of, like a Joe Pesci film and, and Marissa yeah, Tomei. Tomei. So this movie, like, kind of, this was who you were, like, to the public at that point, you know? This is, like, pre-internet and everything else, too. So no one ever knew anything about, like, private life of these people and what they were really like or who they really were. So, yeah, I for sure just, like, associated Machio with Daniel and Miyagi with uh, Pat Morita, for sure. And the same way, like, the, the rest of these guys, if they ever showed up in anything ever, like... um the the bully in this is in tons of 80s movies but he's always you know the this guy the johnny to me i just refer to him as johnny you know but he, oh yeah he pops up in like just one of the guys and like a whole bunch of other stuff so like i was just gonna say just yeah. one of the guys uh, billy zapka i think he's known as william zapka uh, the, now, o- the but... only one who really broke out was the wonderful terrific elizabeth shoe so like Oh, yeah. So Elizabeth Shue plays Allie. I love Elizabeth Shue in this era. Like, if I had to pick an iconic, like, high school heartthrob for me, it would be Elizabeth Shue. Allie is so, like, more forward than most girls in, in like, high school movies. Like, uh, she feels like she belongs more in, like, 10 Things I Hate About You than she does in, like, an 80s teen movie because she's like oh i agree right like she approaches daniel like she keeps pursuing daniel i mean and daniel's not like backing off by any means or anything like that but she's always the one that's like hey like here's my number let's go out pick me up this is that and all that so that was like pretty refreshing too to see her like someone take the initiative 
like that and you know be confident and like into her own thing i love ally i love elizabeth shoe like adventures in babysitting i can't wait to cover that film oh yeah she, she's great though but what you're saying about Allie, it hits the nail on the head. Maybe she's not fleshed out enough, and I get that. But there's something about her that's just so just interesting. Like, like it interests me. I think she's so good. It's a shame, again, we're not talking about the sequels, but it's a shame that she doesn't continue um, into the next one. But apparently she wasn't available, and it is what it is. But she's awesome in this. Yeah. Um, she was actually cast off a Burger King commercial. Oh, okay. Now, a friendly wager from Burger King. Stop what you're doing and go to your phone. I want to make a bet with you. See, in a coast-to-coast survey, three out of four people said they like their burgers fixed their way. That's how we do it at Burger King. Now, here's the bet. Just pick up your phone and call any four people. I'll bet at least three will choose have it your way, like at Burger King. Any takers? Aren't you hungry for Burger King now? So I looked that up as well. And it's crazy. So they did a series of Burger King commercials <laughs> with just like people who were like the cashiers and they would like say things. It, they weren't that impressive, but it was her and uh, what's her name from Back to the Future? Oh, no kidding. Um, Aaliyah Thompson. And they did like a big Christmas one at the end. So it's like all these cashiers and two of them being Elizabeth Shue and Leah Thompson. And there's a little girl in it. And the little girl is Sarah Michelle Gellar. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, I think I I'm might like, have heard of this commercial or that Sarah Michelle Gellar's first commercials were like Burger King commercials. Look, who, who casted that? Because like Burger King, A you genius. hired the best casting director ever. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, and uh, those first two would go on to be in Back to the Future 2 and 3 together. So good for them. Leah Thompson oh, and yeah. Elizabeth Shue. Good call. I wasn't even thinking that. Okay, so... Again, we just mentioned him before, but Billy Zapka plays Johnny, who's the typical 80s bad guy. Like, oh, And he plays it so yes. well. The feathered hair. just The Aryan-ness so of it all. Just, you know, just like the blonde hair, the blue eyes, like the perfect height. <laughs> he's just, dare I say, Hitler's wet dream, right? Like he's just the worst <laughs> of the worst. <laughs> and um, actually, our mutual friend, uh, Mr. Christian Larson, brought this to my attention. I forgot the term he used, but he said, like, in all 80s high school films, they're about, like, a couple things. And oh, one of oh, them... Oh, okay. What he, he loves to use this term. I don't the, know if you uh, Yeah, yeah. The snobs versus the slobs? Yeah, snobs versus slobs, and he uses another one. But he, po- he pointed out that usually the bad kids, quote-unquote, in 80s films are not really that bad but they're controlled by an adult influence who's a lot worse than them okay and this is certainly the case here with the cobra kai oh oh yeah yeah like miyagi says no bad student just bad teacher right exactly and, and john crease exactly. is a nom vet who <laughs> is like off the deep end and training teenagers to basically like kill each other <laughs> it's crazy absolutely because you actually like billy zapka who's great and He's he's pretty much the star of the new uh, Cobra Kai series. Yeah, fantastic know. in that too. Just and so he's great. Definitely check perfect. that out. Oh, so he's so good. He's so good in that. He really is. Like, check that out on YouTube, guys. But he he has such moments where he's an asshole, but he has such moments of vulnerability that I'm not saying you like feel bad for him, but you start to realize that like the John Kreese character is the dick here. You know. Well, there's one moment I always... Well, there's two or three moments, actually. But, uh, like, so one of them that I always forget... And these are moments that remind me that Johnny's... He's just a kid, too. 
So one of them early on, before he beats up Daniel on the beach, one of his buddies offers him a beer and he rejects it. He goes, nah, man, I'm clean or something like that. I was like, oh, he's like, a, they're still like eight, they're under 18 or whatever. Another moment is when they're at golf and stuff. And like, as Daniel's mom comes to pick him up, like he pulls up with a bunch of her friends and he's just like, he wants to just go to golf and stuff too and hang out and be a kid and all this stuff, right? And then in the tournament, he's like telling Crease where he's like, you know, he's like, sweep the leg. And he's like, I'm not going to do this. He's like, it's gone too far almost, right? And, and so you're right. Like, I love how there's like, you know, Johnny is a dick. He's a, he's an asshole and stuff. But like, he's still just a mixed up teenage kid. And um, there's a theory. I don't know if you read this or heard of this, that Daniel's the real bully and oh, that Johnny dude. is the victim. So that is one of the main reasons I think everyone listening should watch Cobra Kai, the series, is because like like there's a magnificent arc with Johnny and that's where he starts the show believing that like Daniel came to town stole his girlfriend beat him in front of all of his friends at the karate tournament like took his life away and ever since it's just been downhill you know uh, <laughs> and and that's sort of where Johnny is when the show starts so like that's not really a spoiler but the it's the journey from there that is just like so good but yes so i've heard of that theory <laughs> <laughs> yeah no they really took it and ran with it with the show uh cobra kai that's for sure but yeah there is a theory there and i don't 100 percent buy into it because like there are definitely moments where johnny is being a bully and he is like trying to single daniel out but i get it to an extent in terms like He's not real. Like, he has his reasons, you know? And some people say, like, why is Daniel out for revenge this much? You know? <laughs> That's funny. But either way, I'm, I'm still a Daniel fan. Yeah. Fan, but Billy's, Billy Zapka, great actor. I, I, I think one of, like, the moments that sort of tips it over the edge is, well, not just not just Daniel's thought process of what karate is where he still wants revenge instead of just like to protect himself or whatever like he's he goes on the offense right and it's at the halloween dance okay and after he like soaks johnny and gets him all wet and pisses him off johnny grabs him and he goes you just couldn't leave well enough alone right as if to say like we were gonna we were kind of done with you like i'd forgotten about you but you just fucked it all up again and now we're gonna be worse and we're just gonna like you know, beat you to death or something. Um, so, like, there is sort of, like, precedent to be, like, well, like I was saying earlier, like, Daniel isn't necessarily, like, a great guy, right? He's just a kid, and he's mixed up, too, and he's got a lot of emotions, and, you know, you don't think twice about a lot of things when you're a teenager, and, you know, that's a very impulsive thing and for Daniel to do, and he was talking about what comes around goes around earlier with Allie and everything like that, and so he just sort of seized in the opportunity, but it was just bad bad timing <laughs> <laughs> yeah just the only other actor i wanted to mention and i'm sure you know this but chad mcqueen steve mcqueen's son is like one of the cobra kai oh i had no idea i just watched an episode of wanted dead or alive starring steve mcqueen that was his old bounty hunter show that uh bounty law apparently was based off of on uh, once upon a time in hollywood <laughs> and i'd never i didn't really know that and watching it it's like incredible it's like, it's one of the weirdest, laziest Western shows I think I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, this guy. Okay, totally. All right. And, I mean, as you definitely know, Stephen Queen was highly involved in, like, the L.A. martial arts scene. Oh, yeah. I mean, Bruce Lee, right, was, like, an instructor to, like, the stars at one point. I think that he was yeah. in that circle with Steve McQueen and like Roman Polanski's friends and all those kinds of people. And um, it just reminded me, Billy Zapka got the role over 
Clint Eastwood's son, actually. Oh, Scott Eastwood? Not Scott. Not, not the one Scott who's in Eastwood, Fast like and Furious. An, no, no, no. Like another Clint Eastwood son that I'd never heard of. Okay. Apparently Clint Eastwood was so pissed off about this. The studio who produced this was owned by Coca-Cola at the time. So you'll see a lot of Coca-Cola product placement in this film. Okay. And when Clint Eastwood's son was not cast, he refused to show any Coca-Cola products in his film for, like, years. Oh, that's wild. <laughs> it's he, so random. It's just a dumb grudge. Okay, I'm going to go do some Pepsi commercials and talk to a chair. <laughs> All right. So let's talk about this film. Let's talk about some of our favorite scenes. But first, I grew up in New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Mike, I think you're a New Jersey-born and raised yeah. guy, right? Yeah. I know you're definitely... Raised there, I didn't know exactly where you are born, but you know yep. what I mean. I always kind of forget that this film begins with this, like, literally... I knew he was from New Jersey, but I forget that it begins with him, like, in Newark, New Jersey. A Newark that looks like the Newark of today, really. Yeah. And, right? Yeah, so did I. Like, I didn't know that, and they did do the whole cross-country journey together and everything during the opening I credits. I totally forgot about that. Like, that panorama of the country. Maybe they don't show it on TV or something, because, like, mm. I didn't remember this. That could be, because they love to speed up opening and closing credits nowadays on basic cable and everything. So, But, I mean, what it does for me is immediately opens up this whole movie to be like, look how beautiful this is. Like, it is really, even the dirty jersey looks really good in that one shot, right, <laughs> where they're all packed into the car and taken off down the street. And, yeah, I mean, right away the scope of this film is uh, more than I expected coming back to this. And it, oh, good. I haven't seen this in a good 10 years straight through. Yeah, and, and I think what it does serve, and I don't know if it's necessary, but what it does serve is um, the setting up of how disappointing, not disappointing, but like, you know, the mom's talking about how great the pool's going to be and how great L.A. is going to be. And you know Johnny's not into it. And they get there and, like, the pool's not even filled. And it's not, it's not like the California promise of yore. No. You know? Yeah. And it really sets the scene for Johnny's loneliness. And, oh, and yeah, like the, the no father in the scene. We don't quite know why. Uh, I don't know if it's ever said in this movie, but it's revealed in part two that his father did, in fact, die uh, when he was a, when he was like a little bit younger. But what what struck me when they arrive in L.A. and stuff and how grimy and, and dingy uh, like their accommodations are and everything, something I, I was not privy to and don't think I really understood at the time, uh, and it took a couple of viewings, was sort of like the the class structure uh you know that there's a real sort of between wrong side of the tracks kind of thing like daniel is poor (laughs) you know like for lack of a better term Uh, and i never really like understood that until like later viewings because a little kid i just didn't pick up on like oh why don't ali's parents like him like i just don't get it he seems like okay uh it's like oh yeah because they're rich like rich as hell and and he's not and so like he's from Reseda, and apparently Reseda is like the crap part of the valley i don't know i don't know either i think if we were from the valley we would understand more but like Mm -hmm. you and i are not so i'm not sure but clearly clearly daniel is of lesser means even the car right like the car that they have oh yeah pop um, it you gotta put it in second and and push it (laughs) (laughs) and you know he's a new kid in new high school and even before that like, he meets that kid that you talked about. His name was Freddie mm-hmm. at his apartment complex, and he invites him to the beach party, which is so L.A., even so high school movie, a beach party, right? Oh, I know. So good. And when they're there, that's when he first uh, meets Allie, Elizabeth Shue's character, at the beach, and where he first meets um, Johnny, too. 
we get all our principal players essentially except Miyagi in this one scene. Oh yeah. And it's great. Like like where the friends like, "Oh, she's got the hots for you" and how it, like the beach soccer and how they're performing. It felt like high school, you know. Oh, they they have a great sort of um meet cute with the all day long with uh, her friends with their bonfire or their you know, beach blanket bingo stuff they're doing or whatever and then he's playing soccer and showing off and they're kind of like looking at each other all day long and then at night like their friends throw the soccer ball and let them actually like talk to each other and he teaches her about the knee bounce which comes back in a couple scenes later she's like hey i've been practicing the knee bounce and then all hell breaks loose when (laughs) you know jealous ex johnny shows up with his entire crew and they've just been dirt biking all day apparently (laughs) and now they came to check out the beach party I mean, it's so economic. Like, it's so economic. This screenplay is just super tight. I mean, and it's like a two-hour movie, but like nary a wasted moment. I mean, maybe Daniel gets the crap kicked out of him one time too many. I, I don't know. <laughs> uh, they didn't really need to push him down the hill on his bike that one time. Other than that, though, like this thing is nice and tight. So a, a couple other scenes I, I want to talk about in this like oh, first yeah. act. How... How that beach scene ends with those, like, kids he just met abandoning him. Like, I don't know if I've experienced exactly that, but when you're a new kid somewhere and, like, you think you have these friends and they just kind of, like, give up on you like that, like, how hurtful is oh, that, you know? Like, yeah. I, I felt that. You know, and what I didn't realize is Allie's the one that comes to him and says, can I help you up? Can I get you a ride or something, you know? And, and you know, obviously he's too embarrassed and who wouldn't be? And he just says, you know, just leave me alone. Just I, I just want to be alone. And, you know, it makes perfect sense, right? Like, <laughs> just. But but I was like, wow, like she, like actually, she's she's not shallow, right? Like she's actually like, oh, that just just gave me more insight into, you know, even though there's not much of a character there, it's just like, oh, okay, like she she's not like the rest of them. No, which again, I know we're not talking about it. It doesn't really make sense, her actions or talked about actions in Karate Kid too. But whatever. It, it just adds such depth to their potential relationship. And the next scene that I, I just wanted to bring up was something, again, you mentioned before. It's the most high school scene in the film. Just that, like, as you said, like the cruel summer scene. Oh, yeah. He just, like, shows up at the new high school. Just, again, I got all the feels here. Like, oh, my God, I'm so scared for him kind of thing. I mean, but that song, I mean, that song on its own is just, like, there's something sort of sinister, but, but dangerous but like also provocative about that song to begin with cruel summer right like every time it comes on i'm like oh man like there's something it's hitting me in a certain way so like it to to juxtapose that with that montage of him on his first day of school and oh my god like it is just it was gave me goosebumps like all all the way up until like where they're fucking with him during the soccer tryouts and stuff like it's just crazy how well it tracked I, i was just like blown away by the filmmaking i was like man how did they? How yeah. did they know? <laughs> they just they just nailed it. And, and like like you said, the music and the background of what's happening in those soccer tryouts, it just underscores how alone he is. The mm. fact that like he gets into a little bit of a scuffle, and that coach just like gives him zero benefit of the doubt because he's just not you know he he's not known there. He's new, so just ugh, he's so alone. And oh my god, like again, I cringe. But I love that because, it's again, it's so high school. Yeah, and it means it's working. Uh, like, that's how I feel about it, right? It is like, oh, if it's getting a reaction out of me, uh, whether or not it's, you know, making me feel good or bad, like, it's making me feel. And, like, yeah, I think it's intended for you to be like, oh, shit, like, 
this is you know like i know something's coming and like you can't avoid it and like oh yeah now I'm, I'm more on his side it's not just him getting beat up right it's like he is the new kid he is by so like even the teachers you know don't have any like respect for him because they don't know him so they're not likely to believe him or whatever and yeah it's crazy absolutely absolutely so obviously he's getting his ass kicked 20 billion times as you said this is the first time that I've watched this film and I realized that like he didn't start taking karate there that he had like basic lessons at the YMCA back home oh which I was like oh <laughs> yeah he meant I didn't pick up on that he mentions the Freddy like he or to Miyagi maybe and he's doing like from the book right like in his kitchen when Miyagi or, yeah. or in the living room when Miyagi comes to fix the sink yeah so, yeah, and so I was he's like, not oh, like that's a cool yeah he's not like a complete nothing well I, th- I took that to be like part of the karate craze of the 80s i guess i don't know was this trying to start i mean i ended up taking a couple of lessons of karate when i was like six or seven <laughs> like i never really got into it obviously or kept with it so i don't know no i mean it's definitely part of it because you know the kung fu movies of the 70s definitely got people interested in that kind of stuff mm-hmm. okay so maybe um, this was just a way of saying hey like everybody's taking karate you know, not everyone's taking it seriously, but they're out there doing it. Yeah, it wasn't like crazy. It's not like karate. What's that? And like they have to explain what it is. You know, like thank God. No, exactly. It wasn't anything like that. No. <laughs> I just want to pick up like Pat Morita and the casting again. So the original choice to play Mr. Miyagi was an actor called Toshiro Mufuni. Or oh I'm, yeah. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it. Do you, big, are you familiar with? Him? Oh, big time. Yeah, yeah. So like he was one of Kurosawa's like main man. Yeah, exactly. Like Seven Samurai and stuff like that. And he didn't end up getting the role because of what I mentioned in terms of he was going to play it too straight. Oh yeah, you I know? can see that. And they wanted some humor from Pat Morita. Okay, which I, get that. I like, but. You know, when you think of it that way, you're like, oh, this could have been a very different movie. Well, that that brings me to a really quick question, like, because this isn't a comedy, right? Like, I feel like people think this is going to be funny. I mean, it is funny, but it's not like cracking jokes or anything. Like, it's more just like personality kind of funny personalities clashing and trying to coexist and like awkwardness of like culture clash and things but like i wouldn't call this a comedy necessarily no but i think it has the levity that rocky has. yes you know, the levity and rocky right. that i laugh at that's what i mean yeah rocky's not a comedy but there's definitely some really fun funny moments there too yeah absolutely like it's like rocky versus like raging bull you know okay yeah yeah mm-hmm. um i don't know there i don't know the uh serious version of karate kid but you know what i mean <laughs> but after this you know we start to get the real real meat of the film is like the Miyagi scenes like from um just learning about Miyagi like when he first goes to like with the bonsai trimming and stuff oh yeah the bonsai is gonna come back big time in part three <laughs> but like another thing we learn there it's just Okinawa which yep. again is important in two mm-hmm. because they they go there but I love it because it it subtly is telling you the origins of karate he's like I'm not Japanese I'm from Okinawa, mm-hmm. which is, it's part of Japan legally, but it's between China and Japan, really. And it, it, that's, you know, where the origins of karate are from. So I, I thought that was so awesome that, like, it didn't have to, like, hit you over the head with what karate was and where it came from. It just could, like, subtly mention it, or, like, getting to know him. And then we go into kind of, like, the basics. And eventually, you know, Miyagi ends up training Daniel, which 
some of the most iconic <laughs> moments. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> <laughs> Got to work that in. But some of the most iconic moments of this film, and we talked about it a little already, is just the the whole miyaging, the training <laughs> sequence. It's not. It's not so much a montage. Mm-mm. There, we do get a montage later, but mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not so much a montage. It's just, you know, like the first time I saw this, I was just mesmerized by these training techniques and how, like, seemingly applicable they became, you know, just... I'm being your goddamn slave is what I'm being, man. Now, we made a deal here. So? So? So you're supposed to teach and I'm supposed to learn, remember? For four days, I've been busting my ass. I haven't learned a goddamn thing. Uh, you learned plenty. I learned plenty. I learned how to sand your decks, maybe. I've washed your car, paint your house, paint your fence. I learned plenty, right? Uh, not everything is as seen. Oh, bullshit. I'm going home, man. Danielson. Danielson. What? Come here. Show me sand the floor. I can't move my arm, all right? What are you doing? What are you... Ow! Ow, what are you doing? Now show me sand the floor. How did you do that? Shut up! Sand the floor. Stand up. Show me sand the floor. Sand the floor. Sand the floor. Big sucker. Sand the floor. Sand the floor. Now show me wax on, wax off. Hey. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Hey, wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Concentrate. Look my eye. Lock a hand. Thumb inside. Wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Wax on, hat. Wax off, hat. Wax on. Wax off. Show me paint the fence. Up, down. Up, down, up, down. Other side, look eye, always look eye. Show me paint the house, side, side. Lock wrist, side, 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 side. Show me wax on, wax off. What do you think of this whole like training sequence that Miyagi puts him through? Well, so I think it's great. Like I think it's really well paced. I think it's really well structured and I think it's a super smart idea and I'd love to know how they came up with it. Like if this is really part of like Miyagi karate, like cuz cuz it fits and works so well, you know? It's like how did they sort of I don't know, like deconstruct these moves to make them um, chores or whatever, you know, but it's such a great idea and it's keeping within the theme of the entire movie where it's like, you know, don't, don't really judge a book by its cover. Like, you know, like Daniel, like he's, 
weak and scrawny looking, but at the end, he's going to be the one to, like, take everyone down. And, like, it's like, oh, this this feels and seems like chores, uh, but in actuality, like, you're learning moves and stuff. Watching, and I love that. Don't get me wrong. I think it's great, and I think it works perfectly. And, and, and it's, like you say, iconic. And it rivals training sequences and other types of sports films and movies of the past. But I... I just wonder now if this is just like movie karate and like that kind of like was on my mind this time. I was like, could this actually work? Like, am I just getting, am I just thinking about it too hard? But other than that, just, I, I, I think it works so well. Supposedly like the technical consultant was like an actual high level karate master. Okay. Um, I'm not sure if like the paint the house and wax, the car things are applicable, like in all honesty. But this guy was so hardcore that uh, he was Pat Morita's stunt double, but also just like the overall coordinator here. Pat Morita spent a lot of time with him before the film, like picking up his mannerisms and learning karate. Like almost no one on this film had karate experience. And, you know, even like the way he speaks is based on this guy. And this guy, though, he was so badass that, like, they would do scenes and he would, like, be so critical of them while filming. And he would always be like, let me get my guys from my dojo. We'll be the stunt doubles <laughs> and we'll get it in one take. And there's a famous scene. It's one of the times, one of the many times Daniel gets gets beat up. And um, there it, it were, like, 20, 30 takes and they couldn't get it right. If you notice the director, side note, and I know you're more into this than I am, but the director has a lot of... Um, long takes that move yeah mm-hmm. he's not like cut 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 which is i'm so used to in kung fu films you know but it, like modern ones like even like the transporter and stuff yeah, you know, yeah. Like, new action but like exactly and he was so into like these long takes and it would be very hard to time everything but this guy it's like i forgot what scene it was again one of the beat up scenes this guy said to him this the the stunt coordinator is like get my guys down here we'll do it in one take and the director was like sure if you do it in one take we'll let you do it and he did it and they actually did what was taking him 30 takes one take so <laughs> there you go I, I don't know if the moves translate but i know they had like a legitimate like karate guy on set it's not okay. completely like out of nowhere right, that's you know? that's good enough for me <laughs> and also like the mustache man who's like the referee mm-hmm. like in the end scenes he was like a top level karate guy as well oh okay cool uh, all right so well, at least they good. tried yeah no i mean it's good <laughs> to know it's yeah they're they're not just like straight up appropriating karate for you know this honky or anything like that like you know what i'm saying like it doesn't even feel like yeah. that either and that's what i appreciated the most watching it again it's like i never even questioned that i mean it gets to a point when we learn about miyagi's origin right and i'm like holy shit uh you know his his wife was i don't know if you caught this but his miyagi fought for the americans in world war ii his wife died giving birth in a japanese internment camp it was insane crazy the layers in that one scene is this your wife i don't know you were married Uh, damn beautiful don't you think yeah she's pretty Oh, first time I saw her was Kingfield, Hawaii. Beautiful. Dangu King Karatu. Where is she now? Drink, drink. You move me more. 
Teresa. Huh? Look, look. Hey, hey. First American born Miyagi, waiting to be born. Hey, hey, drink, drink. Sergeant Miyagi. Yes, sir. Sergeant Miyagi report to kill many Jerry Germans, sir. Hey, Miyagi. Yes, sir. Regret to inform wife, son. Complication at birth. Sir. Complication birth. No doctor can. Help! Run the free. Almost free. No doctor can. And apparently, like, the studio was thinking of taking that scene out because it was so serious, no. and the director was like, no, this is an important scene. Yes. Like you said, we learned that he was an American soldier. We actually learned that his unit is, like, that Japanese unit that fought in Europe is the most decorated unit of World we, War II. We learn in part three is the 442nd, I believe. Yeah. That's what they call it, yeah. We learned that he, you could see it in the background, that he won the Medal of Honor, mm-hmm. which is insane, you know? His wife died while he's at war. While he's in an, inter- she's in an internment camp. Just like, cr- like whoa, you know. It was that moment when I realized that, like, you know, Daniel wasn't just like gaining a father figure, but like Miyagi was gaining a son. You know what I'm saying? It's like absolutely. Insane. It was insane to me, and like they didn't need to say a word after that. Like they were family. It was amazing. Absolutely, and it's like this beautiful, unique relationship between the two of them that we don't yeah. see in a lot of films, like an older person and a younger person, and it's not weird, you know? <laughs> exactly. That's the main thing. Like, it was never weird. <laughs> like, it had no. every every opportunity to get weird, and it just never did, and I just appreciate it. So many iconic moments, again, come out of, like, their training sequences, right? Like, we already talked about, like, the whole doing the chores mm-hmm. or whatever, but how about, like, you know, the, the crane technique on the, you know, at the beach? Yeah, the beach like, is that- cool balance on the boat the balance on the boat or uh how about uh catching the fly with the chopsticks you know (laughs) all these things are like iconic moments and they all come from like you know just his training sequence (laughs) wouldn't a fly swatter be easier man who catch fly with chopstick accomplish anything you ever catch one not yet Can I try? If we... Hey, 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 Mr. Miyagi, look! Look! You begin a luck. You know, I, I'd argue the training... It, with Miyagi and him is the most like remembered part of this film. Yeah. And like Miyagi says at the end, basically when it's Daniel's birthday and he's like, you know, karate is about balance. And he's like, go find your balance, go make up with Allie. I thought that was amazing. That was like, almost like your last step into being a Jedi. It's like, in order for you to complete your training, you must go make up with your girlfriend. (laughs) (laughs) And how like touching, you mentioned the birthday. 
like what a touching scene because he has a cake for him and he gives him that karate uniform mm-hmm. the gi that yeah. like his wife i guess designed with the bonsai tree so cool so like that's the karate kid look right like the white uniform with the bonsai tree yeah and that that cool miyagi dojo headband mm-hmm. but oh my god what a cool moment when you know he offers him he gets a driver's license daniel and he offers him any car he wants in his lot like we should talk about like miyagi's home is like set apart somewhere and it's a nice home but he i guess he's got all these old cars it's, in his it's lot it's weird it's like he lives like somewhere in east la and like yet like you cross the tracks and go around a corner and he's got like this amazing like garden and house with a lot filled with classic cars that like nobody fucks with like it's just crazy where he lives and stuff but yeah he's got like five or six amazing classic cars and he's just like daniel just like pick one i was just like oh my god even as a little kid like i couldn't believe it (laughs) yeah i mean i i'll never forget that moment right like you know low-key elizabeth shoe alley has not really cared that he doesn't have a car but it is embarrassing like when they go on a date Mm -hmm. and he picks her up in the mom's car and or she's driving and it can't even start you know i don't care who you are that would be embarrassing so when he gets a car and it ends up being that like cool old-fashioned yellow dare i say american graffiti-esque car oh yes you dare (laughs) like it is so awesome and like daniel doesn't have a father so miyagi in this short time that they know each other can gift him something that he doesn't have anyone to gift these things to so it's yeah. just such a nice moment yeah he's getting some something out of it too right like it's yeah it's going both ways you know miyagi gets <laughs> to see the joy and pleasure that this can bring daniel someone younger and can use it and yeah it's just like getting a car for your 18th birthday i guess it's like a rite of passage for some people and so it's nice that miyagi can provide for him in that manner while his mother really can't along the way like during these training things there's that um i guess it's like a halloween party scene at the school or at least a costume party oh yeah well that's what that's the incident that sort of kicks it all off that's when daniel messes with him and miyagi saves (laughs) saves his life yes it's when miyagi beats up teenagers yeah Mm-hmm. <laughs> Which legit is like, I know he was doing it to save his life, but you know, he's probably yeah. in trouble for that stuff. Nowadays, that probably wouldn't fly. <laughs> no. Just wanted to point out, though, Daniel's, another iconic moment to me, Daniel's costume as the shower. Yeah. Yeah, it was pretty clever. He'd only go as the invisible man, so no one would see him. <laughs> and it's a great, you know, I like a good high school dance scene. I think it's a great high school dance scene. One of the things though that people cite of like daniel being the bully is the fact that like he hoses uh johnny in in the right. bathroom stall right yeah but like that's what i was saying earlier is like after johnny grabs him from getting the hose he's like you couldn't leave it alone as if to say like we were kind of done with you already like you had to you know now you reminded me like oh yeah let's like let's just take it too far now Oh, yeah, yeah. So, and that's what I, they I, end up doing, is, like, taking it too far. <laughs> and so I think, you know, Miyagi joining in, like, yeah, like, he didn't, he, you know, it was, like, what, like, five or six on one? So, like, you know, there's a little bit of, like, and Daniel's a witness, right? So, like, he could say, yeah, these guys chased me home from the high school party, they kicked the shit out of me, and then my landlord saved my life, you know? Like, what, <laughs> what else can you do? <laughs> oh, man. And... Of course, you know, throughout this, we're also seeing, like, the Cobra Kai and what they're all about. Like, even when Daniel walks in, like, he's thinking of joining there. He didn't know it was, like, 
where Johnny went, though. Right, right. But, like, just like the no mercy kind of things, you know. Yeah, we get a good uh, dose of what, what their, like, mentality is like. Yeah, it's very militaristic, <laughs> you know, shoot first, ask, don't ask questions. <laughs> exactly. It's almost like fake, if that makes sense. Like, I didn't feel like it was, but it, it was almost like you can't even believe how little, like, sympathy they have for other people. Well, like, uh, Kreese is a drill sergeant, and he's running it like the military, and he's training them like Marines, and mm. they're not going to war. They're going to the high school dance. You know what I'm saying? It's so, like, yeah, I could see how directed in another manner this would come off, like, unbelievable, but there's just something about the way that it's settled that that is played so well that, I don't know, I never... Like, well, from time to time, I feel like John Kreese is probably the guy pushing it the most out of everybody, but, like, never to the point where it, like, you know, takes me out of it or anything. It's just like, oh, yeah, this guy's really no. intense. And, like, now I understand why his students are such assholes. <laughs> just, like, again, I'm going to say iconic a lot, but there was, like, sleeveless black uniforms of the Cobra Kai. So iconic. Oh, yeah. Great snake. Wouldn't it? The fist wrapped around the snake logo. Yeah. <laughs> um, any other scenes or moments you want to talk about or discuss before we get to the final karate tournament? No, we can get there. Yeah, because, you know, there's a bunch of other stuff, like like the whole kitchen scene or, or all the arcade scenes. And it's clear Allie's friends don't like Daniel. We, we get a lot of nice moments, which make this film two hours. But again, it felt like a fast two hours. Well, that's the thing, like, they train a lot. I mean, not that it, I mean, and the training's great, but like, there's a lot of training, you know, they go to the beach, they go to the lake, they go to Miyagi's backyard, you know what I'm saying? Like, there's just a lot of sort of the same going on. Like he gets his ass kicked a lot. Like he goes on some dates with Ali, you know? So it's not, it doesn't feel repetitive or anything like that, but it's just kind of like, you know, it's just like the same stuff kind of happens a lot. It just kind of escalates, which is, and it's good. I'm not saying it's bad. I don't know. It might sound like it seems like I'm saying that's bad or something like that, but like it no, actually is very I think, good. I think anyone who's seen this film knows exactly what you're saying. Okay. You know? It's cool. It's, it's a, it's a fast paced two hours. Yeah. So the whole, I guess, crux of this film is, you know, when Miyagi starts teaching him, he originally is going to go down and talk to the Cobra Kai and be like, Hey, don't mess with my guy. And you know, it doesn't really work out that way. So they kind of put like a moratorium on kicking Daniel's ass until the t- karate tournament. Yeah, settle it at the tournament. Low key, John Kreese, like, I don't know if you realize, like, he's the one who gets Daniel into the tournament. How's that? Because they mentioned the tournament, right? Yeah. And he's like, we could settle it there. And I just don't hmm. think that, like, you could just openly enter that tournament, you know? Oh. And he agrees to it. And you know, he has pull and he says, like, you know, let's do it there. And I think there's like a throwaway line that implies that like he's going to get him into this tournament. Oh, okay. To, to like see what happens there. And and for all the bullyingness, like at least that's a safe, controlled environment to get like that out. Oh, you yeah, know? yeah. I mean, I think that was Miyagi's intention the whole time was like to. I think he probably had knew about the tournament or something. Like there's a he, there's a lot more going on between scenes with Miyagi. I'm sure he researched all this kind of stuff. But like I bet he had the idea that yeah, there's probably one fight we could get this down to, uh, to settle it all for once or whatever. Uh, and it's funny you say like I I have now kind of agree with you that like maybe Crease pulls some strings because when they get to the tournament they don't even they're like. 
They don't even know what belt he is. They never heard of Miyagi. There's like, what's your dojo? Who's your master? Like, what is going on? So they have to like register all that stuff on the spot and everything. Yeah, what, like they keep mispronouncing his name and stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, just this tournament, so good. I love the excuse they use to get Elizabeth Shue on the floor. Oh, like his translator. That's a funny little moment. And again, but, oh my god, this song, this song. Yes. I mean, if I thought Cruel Summer was the perfect match to the high school montage, You're the Best Around is probably, like, the greatest. This is probably, like, one of the top five montage scenes of all time, right? Like, I'm not kidding. Like, the the, the, the All-Valley Tournament to You're the Best Around? Like, give me a fucking break. Remember your defense. Points to come. Concentrate. Focus. Power. Remember balance. Make good fight. Warning for running out of the ring. Once more, toss to a point. And guard. Ready? Guard. Eight. Movie history. Absolutely. Oh my god. It, it it doesn't get better. Again, maybe some people out there think it's cheesy. I think it's awesome. Um, do you know the history of this song? I do not. So uh, the the musician's called Joe Esposito, and he wrote this for Mike. I think you'll get excited about this. Rocky. A movie. Rocky three. A movie Whoa, both of us have talked about. Rocky three. So they went with Eye of the Tiger instead of You're and, the Best Around. <laughs> and they chose Eye of the Tiger instead. And I believe, like you know, there's a lot of Rocky connections that they knew the song existed, and they're like, "Hey, we'll just use it for this film." Oh, take that, Rocky. Got to you too soon. <laughs> oh man, and Eye of the Tiger isn't even made for Rocky. There was like a movie called Eye of the Tiger, start with that song before it was even in Rocky three, and Rocky three made that song popular all over again. Oh, crazy. Yeah. No. Exactly. Like it seems like there was like. Uh, soundtrack tag between all these films. Really? Oh, in terms well, of like who would get what? Whoever the music supervisor was like on spot. Just like to- so good. When the musician was writing You're the Best, it's called the You're the Best. Okay. But when he was writing it, he was literally thinking of Rocky. So the lyrics are supposed to be more about Rocky. Than, oh, so than like, it. you know, uh, you're in love with Adrian, but she's <laughs> got a piece of shit brother and Apollo's coming for you but like first of all it starts with try to be the best Mm -hmm. because you're only a man Mm -hmm. and a man's got to learn to take it I guess that applies but you know he doesn't really he's probably kid yeah no that's Rocky okay one for Rocky but the main line is history repeats itself try and you'll succeed there's really no history repeating here you know that's true he was writing it because it's Rocky 3 you know Ah, I pick it (laughs) I pick it up now uh-huh. All right. Well, now I'm going to have to but, sync this up to Rocky Three next time I watch it. I, I wonder if anyone's ever done that. But again, Eye of the Tiger, so iconic with, with Rocky Three. You're the best. So amazing for Karate Kid. Yeah. Everyone landed where they needed to. Exactly. So I, I think we're fine. It all washed out in the end. Daniel's running through people in this tournament, essentially. He's doing better. He's exceeding Miyagi's expectations. He, he's going through even Cobra Kai people. Eventually, like the Cobra Kai dojo master man, like it's just putting a hit on tire time. <laughs> finish him. Finish yeah, that 18-year-old. Cripple the 18-year-old boy. Yeah. <laughs> and 
actually gets to the finals because like another Cobra Kai guy is disqualified by just like again trying to destroy his leg. Yeah. Almost succeeds too, and then Miyagi like heals him up enough. Daniel LaRusso's gonna fight. Such a great moment where like Cobra Kai tries to cheat to win and thinks they did. And then in like the last second he comes out and the looks on their face is so great. He's like, shit, I'm actually gonna have to fight Daniel after he just like kicked my entire crew's ass, like in front of me, like at a tournament. <laughs> just the one Cobra guy being like, Daniel, I'm sorry. Like he feels so bad about it. Yeah. They also That's when you know it's like, oh, oh, the fuck this guy, like the leader guy. Exactly. Yeah. When when the rest of the team starts sort of respecting Daniel, then you're like, all right, I get it. <laughs> yeah, like you said. I guess, like, um, Miyagi gives him, like, a magic massage of some sort. Yep, Miyagi's magic massage. <laughs> and he's ready to go to the finals. He's surprising him. They're literally handing Johnny the trophy before he shows up. the leg. You have a problem with that? No sensei. No mercy. That's two points, LaRusso. Lawrence, nothing. Ready? This karate kid. Yeah, so there's rumors that they actually shot it and just left it off because they knew that they wanted to make another one. They just weren't sure what they were going to do. And so they figured they could just start it with that footage. But I don't know if that's true. Uh, it hasn't been confirmed or denied. A lot of people say that that is not true. But that, like, you're right. That has always been the rumor. That is just like leftover footage from this karate kid. I mean, who knows? And again, just a quick thing like, in the, the second karate kid opens up. Like, in the parking lot, right, of this film? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it matches uh, perfectly. Like, uh, oh, no, it starts with Daniel actually in the shower, <laughs> believe it or oh, not. okay. Rocky Five style, <laughs> how that starts with Rocky <laughs> in the shower. But, uh, yeah, otherwise they go right to the parking lot. And it's this one, you know, what's his name? Uh, the big bad Cobra Kai guy. Yeah, Crease. Crease, like, starts a fight, basically. So there's, like, a fight there. And I get it. I get why you'd run into that, but I agree with you, Mike. Like, ending at just Miyagi like that, perfect. Like, yeah. send me out high. Exactly. You know, send me out on high note. We don't need two battles. I think that battle, ending the first film, would have taken away from the big yeah. uh, Valley Karate Tournament. It works much better as an intro than it would have as, like, this extra coda or whatever, for sure. Like, yeah, I'm done, you know? Let's go home. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fine. It's great. I love it. Oh, my God. Yeah, I love it. But I've been watching Karate Kid for two hours, right? And it's like, let's just go when the tournament's over. Like, we don't need to follow this out into the parking lot. <laughs> yeah. And again, we learn later that they'll follow this out for two more Daniel sequels and then another not Daniel sequel, but Miyagi sequel and then just a random one. Yep. So... We'll find out what happens. Don't worry, guys. If this is the only Karate Kid you've seen. <laughs> Any other uh, moments or things you wanted to mention uh, in regards to the Karate Kid? Again, just such a cool, easy film. An easy two hours. 
Yeah, I just, you know, it's better than, I mean, it really holds up well as like a great 80s high school film. I mean, it's uh, it's really fun. I had a great time watching it and talking about it, and I definitely uh, think everyone should check it out. Absolutely. So, I mean, I think we covered uh, most stuff in here, you know? If you haven't cool. seen Karate Kid again, it's just sad. Just watch it. Watch Karate <laughs> Kid. <laughs> Okay, so Rotten Tomatoes, 88% by the critics, 82% by the audience. But Mike Manzi, A to F scale, what will you rate Karate Kid? Yeah, this is definitely an A for me. I think maybe even like an A plus like for me. Just, you know, maybe I like it. I might like it more than some people, maybe just by virtue of when I saw it or my age or whatever, all those kinds of factors, factor them in. I don't care. But like, yeah, this this is great. Coming back to it, it was just a joy. It's like almost perfect you know just had a great time so definitely giving it like an a plus yeah i mean i'm gonna land exactly where you land mike on this it exceeded my expectations this time and just mm-hmm. maybe like where i am in my life or even my mood that day it just made me feel so happy when i needed it you know it was like a nice little hug <laughs> <laughs> it's such an easy movie it's such a simple movie you know so many films we watch today are so convoluted or dour this is just such an uplifting, fun movie. It is like Rocky Light, you know? Like Rocky 1 Light, mm-hmm. not like the other ones, because the other ones could be argued are Rocky Light as well. But it's just so good and fun, and it holds up, like you said. It's not doesn't feel dated. No, no. Like, I mean, yes, but yes and no. Like, I think it's just, okay, it yeah. was so well-crafted, right, that it feels like, you know... Um, that way, I feel like this feels like a modern film. You know, yeah, it definitely holds up well. It feels like a almost like watching it now. Be like, is this a period piece or something like that? Yes, exactly. So I, I should clarify. Yes, there's clearly a lot of '80s stuff in here, including some of the music. But if you theoretically thought it was a an, a period piece, like you said, it works so well yeah. today. If you love Stranger Things, you'll love Karate Kid. No. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> Okay, Mike. Here we are. This is, I think, a, this is, I think, a fun one. Mm-hmm. Sleeping bag. What Karate Kid themed sleeping bag are you bringing to the slumber party? Ah, uh, boy, I think I'm gonna have to bring uh, my Cobra Kai sleeping bag. Ah, Cobra Kai never dies. Um, <laughs> just you know, a jet black sleeping bag with a giant cobra on the back. Absolutely. I mean, you could go with that. You could go with like the Miyagi one. Um, I'm trying to think of low. You could wear a shower curtain as a sleeping bag. That would work. <laughs> Is that yours? <laughs> maybe. Maybe I'll do the shower curtain, but that's not very comfortable. I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, so many great, again, iconic designs from this. Yeah. Film go with the that... bonsai. Get the white one with the bonsai tree on. Yeah. It can be rivals. Th- those are a good pair. <laughs> exactly. Perfect. Perfect. Okay. Another fun one right now. All yeah. right. Rent one, get two free. Mike. I'm sure even at one point you might have rented Karate Kid. Mm -hmm. So if you and I went to Blockbuster and we rented The Karate Kid, what other two films are we renting that day? What are you recommending for the slumberers out there? Rocky (laughs) 4? Like, not even Rocky 3. Like, Rocky 4, because that movie is just montage after montage. So, like, let's just keep it going a little bit, Rocky 4. And then we don't even need... We can go on. I think this is on Netflix, actually. Enter the 36 Chambers. Like, let's take it back. Watch an old-school Shaw Brothers kung fu flick. Mm, That's a really good one. Um, Return to the 36 Chambers is really good. But Gordon Liu, anything with Gordon Liu in it, he was really great. He comes back and, like, Kill Bill as the leader of the crazy 88s. 
but like he did a lot of great kung fu movies for the Shaw Brother uh, studio back in the 70s and stuff. So like those are great. He's great. They're funny. They're serious. There's lots of great training sequences. So uh, that's where I'm going. Awesome. I mean, that sounds like a fun slumber party. That's for sure. You know it. Okay, Mike. Um, anything you want to plug or anything else you want to oh, say about Karate hmm. Kid? I mean, I think whatever else I have to say on Karate Kid can wait until you might be coming on Third Time's a Charm soon to talk about part three. Uh, we'll get there a little bit. So I save, save my, uh, I mean, I talked a lot about it today too. Like I'm, I'm behind this movie a hundred percent. Uh, I like this whole franchise on, on different levels, but, uh, it's all fun, but let me, allow me to quickly plug. This is going to be the final year, I believe of third times a charm. So get listening and get it and listening to all those back episodes and the new episodes. I'm going to try and focus more on sort of, you know, bigger titles larger blockbusters uh sort of instead of sort of like the smaller independent uh part threes and then fridays are for fun as you know so check out every other friday joey lewandowski the pod father himself and and me we are doing um the tom tom club which is hanks for the memories and cruise club where we are going through the filmographies of one mr tom hanks and one mr tom cruise alternating every friday until sometime next year where we'll be done, I think, with Tom Cruise and just keep going with Hanks until that's done. I think he ends a little sooner. I'm not positive. but uh, And then always uh, there's been a new Nick Cage movie every month for the last six months. So he's on an, an incredible streak that no one seems to realize is like super important in the history of cinema. And I feel like I'm the only one freaking out about it. So uh, I think we might have uh, – I know Color Out of Space comes out in January. So hopefully we will have an episode about that in January. So – Keep your ears peeled to the OG Cage Club Prime feed. And I think that's it for now. Can't wait. And just to touch on that third times, um, it's going to come out, what is it, February 3rd? Uh, yeah, that's the plan. Sometime in February, at least February 3rd. <laughs> and I'm sure, though, we'll be... I know it's about Karate Kid 3, but I'm sure we'll give a nice recap of Karate Kid 2 as well. Oh, yeah. I think we, we must. Yep. Yeah, just to bring everyone up to speed. Well, Mike, this was a pleasure. I could talk about The Karate Kid forever. But, you know, it's not a movie where we have to, like, dive into the nitty-gritty. And I love that. It's yeah. just so simple, but not in a bad way. I can't say it enough, you know? Just a lot of fun. I want to go kick some wood in half. I'm going to go do some karate. I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's do it. Next time we see each other, let's be doing karate moves against each other. Sounds good. Big karate size thank you to Mike Manzi. Always love having him on. Maybe he's my Mr. Miyagi. Maybe I need to go to his house and paint it and wax all his antique cars that he has in his driveway. And maybe I'll learn something about myself. Who knows? (laughs) Anyway, The Karate Kid, awesome film. If you listened to that whole podcast and didn't watch it, very, very silly. But I'm sure we convinced you. (laughs) So couple other things I want to talk about before we leave. The usual stuff, of course. You will have homework. Don't worry. But I just want to, you know, I guess clarify something or make a statement, if you will. People keep asking me what I think about the Golden Globes and Oscar nominations and award season. And I know you guys enjoy it. I know you're film buffs, so it's important to you. But I got to be honest with you. I don't really care. If I care, I just get mad. I don't understand how we can say one thing's better than the other. And I know, I know, we grade movies at the end of this podcast. 
but it's fun. We're doing this for fun, and people get too competitive with these awards, and I don't know. You see some of the winners from before and some of the nominees, and you're like, wait a minute. I think that movie wasn't as good as the one it beat, or how is this person not nominated? It's so subjective, and I guess that's the fun, but fair to say, I care about two things happening. One, I will make a big deal if a high school movie wins an Oscar. You know, that's important. I might mention the nominees closer to the time, but I'll be very, very impressed and happy. It's happened before, but happy if a high school film wins and I'll talk about it and I'll gush all over it. And second, even though sometimes I care about the Teen Choice Awards, that surfboard is really important, I have a new favorite awards. I don't know if you guys saw this, but you want to throw that in Google. It's called the Elsies. Yes, the Elsies, not the Oscars, the Elsies. And it was invented by eighth grade star. You know I love her, Elsie Fisher. And to quote her Twitter, I've decided to start my own film awards because sometimes the other ones suck. So here are the nominations for the first annual Elsie Awards. Check it out. I'm not going to read all the nominations. I don't know how the winner's determined. I don't care. Elsie Fisher, you're awesome. Thank you so much for speaking my mind and making your own award show. And it'll just be all good and fun. Oh, I'm getting a note here from the High School Slumber Party staff. It says the winners will be announced at 9 p.m. Pacific on Twitter. Did that actually happen? I don't know. <laughs> I'm reading an old article. I didn't follow up on it. That's how much I care about awards. But we love you, Elsie Fisher. We'll always love you here. Gucci! So like I said, you do have some homework. And it's going to be a repeat assignment in a way. And I know it might be kind of a difficult assignment. But I heard this film's on Showtime now. I heard you could kind of track it down. You slumberers are good. You'll find it. But we've actually done this film before. In a way. Your homework next week is to watch Tammy and the T-Rex. You remember that one. The one with Denise Richards and Paul Walker and his brain gets put into a T-Rex. And she's dating him. It's crazy. I love it, though. But apparently, there's a new cut of this film. A gore cut, if you will. An R cut. And it's supposed to be the original intention of the filmmakers. And I'm willing to give something a second try, even if I did enjoy the silliness of the first try. Let's see what the true intention of these filmmakers were. So you want to check out Tammy and the T-Rex. Here's the trailer from the people who produced it, Vinegar Syndrome. Stupidest idea of ever. 
I know that sounded like a bloody mess, but the film probably will be as well. <laughs> so track it down. Uh, hit me up on social media if you have problems finding it. Definitely want to talk about this. We have a little fun show that I don't want to announce all the details of yet, but it's going to be a good one next week. Check it out. Tammy and T-Rex, The Gore Cut. And by the way, we're not the only ones on the Cage Club Podcast Network talking about Tammy and the T-Rex. Keep a lookout for the ever-so-popular Too Fast, Too Forever. They'll be covering Tammy and the T-Rex on one of their pit stops because, of course, like I said, it stars Paul Walker. I can't wait to hear their take on this crazy film. (laughs) But you know what time it is, guys. Time for me to hit the hay. Time for me to curl into that sleeping bag and just enjoy the weekend, a weekend of doing nothing, because that's what I do as an adult. Not really, but I'd like to pretend that's why I do High School Slumber Party. So let me leave you with another fun song, a song we talked about on this podcast from Karate Kid, Bananarama's Cruel Summer. Later, dudes. It's over. Go home. Go.